Hi guys, happy Monday. Welcome back to Wellness Wake Up. I am Marissa Meshlam. Hi everybody, I'm Carolyn Brown. We figured since it's like our sixth or seventh podcast now, it might be time to introduce ourselves. <laughs> we're still getting the hang of this. We're not really sure if we're supposed to or not. Some people do, some don't, but I feel like our voices, our voices are different enough that hopefully you guys can tell, but it probably might be helpful for some people. Yay. All right. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Do you want to get started with your magic moment this week? I want you to kick things off. I need it. <laughs> Sometimes we do need time to think. Okay. So I started realizing with myself that my anxiety picks up Monday mornings. I do really, really great with the schedule and I don't see a ton of clients on Monday. I try to block it off so that I could do everything else and catch up on work before the week. And I started to notice that that lack of routine doesn't really feel great to me. Mm-hmm. So what I started to implement was that I want to, on Monday mornings, like pull my favorite part of my week, which is normally like Saturday mornings, waking up, really not having that much to do, going for a walk and getting coffee and bring that to my Monday morning to start it off on a little bit of a better foot. So I forced Elliot to join me in that this morning. We got up a little bit earlier, went for a walk through the park, got a coffee and then started our days. And it was just like really nice to, you know, not wake up and go straight into my email Mm. this morning. Yeah. That's inspiring. Cause I've been so off my morning routine. It got really like cold here. And I feel like my morning walk sort of routine is just non-existent. So that's very inspiring. I <laughs> uh, love it. My magic moment this week is I think getting, I'm actually ahead of Christmas shopping and I really enjoy it when it's not frantic and you get to like handpick things specifically for my nieces. And we were like at a fair and found some really cool, funky, like one of a kind gifts. And I think when you can like match a gift with the person, like to me, that's such a fun little project. Not when it gets that stressful, you know, I have 20 (laughs) minutes to find something point. But I think for me doing things in advance, I'm really, really learning and practicing not doing things at the last minute in every area of my life. And so I went out with my sister and her girlfriend this past weekend, and that felt really, really good to find some things ahead of time. We were actually looking at gifts last night and I started to think to myself, why do I not think about this earlier so that we can actually order them on Black Friday? Like half of these things I want to order were on sale a week ago. So that's actually going to be my goal for next Totally. Yeah. We're all trying to do like just smaller, like holiday giving in general. Yeah. Probably a lot of people listening feel this too, that like we all have plenty and, you know, it really is about spending time together, but there are fun things. Actually, do you have a favorite like gift? I think you mentioned it last week. I got, Um, yes, my blender was a good gift, but. I also got an air fryer last night. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Jenna I have gave me that. Oh, that's a great gift. I got the Esther Perel game, which is where Ooh. should we begin? Which if you guys are looking for a Christmas gift or a holiday gift, I would super, super recommend. It's so fun to sit around and you pick these cards that are like, just, they start the conversation. They get the conversation going. Huh. And so we did that a couple of weeks ago over Thanksgiving and we'll just pick a card randomly and like, see, you know, it's a good way to get to know people who you spend a lot of time with, even whether it's a partner, a sibling, any other family members or friends. So that's a fun one. So a couple of ideas there if you guys are looking for gifts, but we got to hop into our topic today because we have a lot to cover. Yes. So this one's going to be kind of fun. We are going to run you through our top nine nutrition and wellness as a whole pet peeves. So let's get into our first one, which is people assuming we're judging. I always joke that as being a nutritionist, If I ever go to a dinner party or to a meal with people that don't know me, I never want to tell them my job because they automatically look down at their plate, look at my plate, assume that I'm thinking about what they're eating, what they're not eating. They apologize to me if they like have French fries on their plate. And 
I don't care. Like <laughs> there's always an apology. I'm so sorry. Don't look at what I'm having. And <laughs> nobody cares. The last thing we're doing when we're not working <laughs> is worrying about what's on someone else's plate. And also that even goes for like, what's on my plate. This happened to me over this past weekend, actually, where I was out with a bunch of women. I didn't know everyone. And yeah. this woman was like, oh, I wouldn't have expected that you eat French fries and like are having a margarita. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I also living my life too. And I'm ordering, yeah. you know, all of the veggies on the menu and like trying a bunch of different things too, but it's really fascinating. And as you know, whether it's nutritionists or like anyone, and we'll cover this a little bit more, but like nobody really cares what you end up eating and especially not us unless you're paying us. <laughs> yeah. And if they do care, that's their own stuff. Always. We all recognize our own insecurities and in other people. So if you're sitting there judging someone else's plate, that might be something you want to look internally at a little bit deeper, but yeah, that is one that, you know, and it's funny, like a comment like that, like maybe 10 years ago would have like really bugged me or I would have been like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be eating this, but I'm like, of course, like, hell yeah, I'm eating this. And then don't really think about it again, unless we're having a conversation like this. So you also can get to that point too, where you're not, it's possible. Yeah. I think what you're saying is so true. I used to feel this like anxiety or pressure that I need to always be like eating one certain way. And I think it's actually really healthy for us to show people like, obviously I'm eating French fries and a margarita. Like it's enjoyable, you know, Mm -hmm. and remembering that like, you never know the whole picture, right? When you see someone's one plate, you have no idea what's going on. And you know what? We said nine things that we were going to talk about, but that brings me into like what I eat in a day that drives me absolutely (laughs) crazy. So bonus, you get a 10. I cannot stand seeing on Instagram when people are like what I eat in a day. First of all, you have no idea if that's true. Second of all, what is one day? It doesn't really matter. You don't know their genetic makeup. You could eat the same exact thing in a day, look totally different, feel totally different. Those things drive me crazy. They breed comparison. Yeah, they do. And what I would say from when I actually look at them, what I see is someone's either seriously under eating or seriously overstating what they eat to try to be like, look Mm. how much I eat. I really have rarely, I don't think I've ever seen someone do it that in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally realistic. And I believe that you actually eat that way. Also like you have no idea what they're not including. A lot of people have a handful here, a handful there that maybe Mm -hmm. they don't realize that we can totally normalize. So actually this is 10 pet peeves that I we love have. that addition. <laughs> that is such a good one. Um, okay. Next up we have good versus bad. Mm. And so when someone says, Oh, I'm being so bad today, or I'm being really good. So I'm not going to have that. And so this is something I think that we're seeing in diet culture sort of takedown. This is really problematic as a whole. Totally. We do plenty of things throughout the day that make us a morally good or bad person. Cheating on a test, probably not great. You know, cheating on a partner, also probably not great. Lying at work, not great. But eating a brownie, like what? Not at all. You know, I always say to my clients, foods can make you feel really good or not good. That's great information. We want to use that information to guide us in the future, right? But saying that you were bad because you ate something, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, Food does not contribute to, you know, the moral component of you. And it's so ingrained in us to say those things that it might feel like really unnatural to stop, but really start recognizing like when you're saying it, like, are you saying I feel really, or I was really bad today very often? What do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. What does that like mean to you? Do you not feel good today? Are you not energized? Get into those deeper questions a little bit, but Food yeah. does not determine if yeah, you're good or bad. On that note too, like the way we talk about ourselves really matters. We see this, you know, in every single aspect of our lives. And when we talk about ourselves as like, I'm fat or I am 
bad or I am, you know, like all of that stuff is on repeat in our head. And actually over 90% of our thoughts on a daily basis are repetitive thoughts. So that means what you're saying to yourself really, really matters because it's literally on repeat. And so we know by stopping that at some point and giving yourself some new thoughts and new language in there, like Marissa was saying, is it about how you're feeling? Is it, I feel really low energy. I'm exhausted today. I in a bad mood, those sort of stuff and getting to the why behind it is really, really helpful. And again, this might feel totally unnatural as you're getting started and just starting to be mindful of the words that we're using and how much they matter. And going off of that, you weren't born saying I was bad for eating this or I was good for eating that. Those are learned behaviors. Mm -hmm. So the same way you can learn them, you can unlearn a lot of these things. It just does take time. So, you know, sometimes it can feel a little phony to be like, oh, wait, okay, that's not bad, you know, like walk yourself through it a little bit. But the more you do it, the more second nature it becomes, you know, your brain Mm -hmm. responds to what you tell it. So if you tell it you're bad all the time, you're going to feel bad all the time. And if you're saying that around friends while you're eating too, then they're going to feel bad about what they're eating. And so I think it does have that trickle effect of both internal and external. Yeah. And I think kids is like an important one. We're both obviously not mothers here. So there's no judgment at all. You know, it's really, really hard to be a parent, I am sure. But really watching your language around your kids with that, you know, so that you hopefully don't teach them the Mm -hmm. way so many of us were taught good versus bad with food. Definitely. Okay. Next up, we have our next pet peeve is fear of fat. And so if you guys have been listening to all of the episodes so far, you already know that (laughs) fat is where it's at. And we are huge fans of like real whole foods, whole fat sources, whether it's avocado, olive oil, coconut, nuts, seeds, all of that good stuff. And if you're going for dairy, going whole fat too. Yeah. It's super, super important. Fear of fat is like very nineties, early two thousands, but still like exists in some pockets of diet culture today. I can think of friends that would be scared to get avocado with their sushi. Mm -hmm. And you know, that little bit of avocado is going to give you so many healthy nutrients. You know, we have a ton of fat soluble vitamins, and it also is going to provide you a satisfaction that keeps us full. We want our food to feel energizing and satisfying. And even when it comes to treats too, this is where I think of like someone having either a tiny scoop of real ice cream or having like the huge pink berry or any of those sort of places Great like example. monster with all of the toppings on it. And so it can really help us. It can help big time with like portion control too. Yeah. And just having like an actual thing, being satisfied and moving on with your life instead of feeling like you need endless amounts of these treats every single night. Yeah. So we love that. We want you to have it in your meals and your snacks. Enjoy it. Do not be the person skipping on avocado in your sushi. The next two we have are kind of funny. Some like food marketing pet peeves we have. So the first one up that we cannot stand is when we see fish labeled as organic. So fish can't be labeled. (laughs) Technically, they should not be labeled as organic. There's no such thing as organic fish. They might be being fed like grains that are organic, which is completely unnatural. So if that's the case, then you want to skipping that anyway, that sort of farmed fish, you know, oftentimes farmed fish are not fed other fish, which is what they're supposed to be fed, which is why often they can be sort of like gray in color. And then they can be, they actually will put food dyes in it in order to make fish look more pink, especially if you're getting salmon specifically I'm thinking Mm. of. So it's just like, yeah, a really big problem. And so you want to look for the term wild. So wild fish is like the optimal. And so if you go to, you know, wherever, if any sort of fish monger or, you know, the whole foods counter, you want to look for the term wild. And oftentimes actually, since we're getting into fish, a little couple of fish facts for you, oftentimes frozen fish might be your best bet because oftentimes fish is frozen and then thawed at the Mm. fish counter. So you're probably better off getting it frozen and then bringing it home and thawing it yourself. It's going to be fresher that way. 
Yeah. And unless you're planning on eating it, you know, if you're going buying the fish and cooking it right away, I always say get the frozen stuff. And um, it's more affordable typically also. So yeah, totally. The next one is low calorie food. So I cannot stand when I go into the supermarket and I see something marketed as this is a low calorie food. Calories are a unit of energy. Why would we want our food to be low energy food? You know, mm-hmm. at the basis, food is fuel. We know it's so much more than that, but we do want our food to energize us. You're not eating lunch to, you know, feel tired after you're eating it so you can get on with the rest of your work day, right? Mm-hmm. So skipping that low calorie food. And we think of a few things specifically that come to mind with this. I think of those like magic pops. If you've ever seen them, I know the last time I saw them at Fairway, they had like, this is a low calorie food on the label. They're basically Mm -hmm. like puffed air that some girls use as sandwich bread. And you know what, if you enjoy the taste of it, I'm all for it, but I hope you're adding so many other calories that with avocado or turkey or, you know, whatever else you need on that meal, because Mm -hmm. who needs low calorie food? I don't want low energy. Yeah. I think of calories as like calories are life force. They're like our Mm. vibrancy. And so I think when you can get in that headspace where you're, you know, of course we're not talking about having like 10,000 calories every single time you eat, (laughs) you know, they definitely can end up, you know, there can be repercussions for like overdoing things. And also we do want to make sure that we're getting pure energy in every single time we eat. So we want to make sure those calories are full of really, really good stuff. Of course, you want to make sure they're, you know, ideally coming from like real whole foods. The pet peeve of mine in this is Gigi's crackers. Mm. I just cannot, (laughs) they're like cardboard (laughs) to me. Again, if you like them and you actually genuinely like them, that's totally fine. But if you're using it as like, you know, sandwich bread and it's like making you miserable or you're just eating it to try to feel full, that's really problematic. I also think with all these things, like asking yourself, like, what is it replacing? Like, am I actually afraid of that? You know, because a lot of times these two examples were saying they're replacing like a bread or like another kind of cracker or something like that. And getting to the root cause of like, you know, is there something wrong with bread as a whole? Can I choose a really nourishing bread? I know for myself, if I have a slice of whole wheat sourdough or Ezekiel, like a sprouted grain, organic bread, I actually feel like really satisfied and energized. And that's a way better choice than something that doesn't really taste great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so team sandwiches right now, <laughs> uh, which is something I never would have thought I would say, especially like in my New York life, but here in Colorado, like to have a great sandwich and then go out for a hike or something like that actually is like so much, it's really, really good energy. I think we do need to bring back, you know, some good quality bread and sourdough and Ezekiel are, are my faves too. You bring up a great point. We need the energy from food to do things. You would not be able to go on that hike after eating a magic pop with some turkey on it. And- You'd be starving. And for like focus too, for our our brain power, when we're at work, we need energy, whether you're at school, you're at the office or you're home with family, like actually having energy to do things is really, really important. And you're going to stop thinking about food all day long. If you're someone who like is obsessed with what they're going to eat at their next meal every single time, that to me, the number one thing is you're probably not eating enough at your meal. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. The next one, I am so guilty of being this person in my past life. And I want to apologize to anyone that ate a meal with me probably 12 years ago at this point, but being a modification freak at restaurants is (laughs) such a pet peeve of mine these days. 
Yeah. And there's a time and place and there's definitely major asterisks to this too. Like if you have a health condition, if you have a food intolerance, if there just are certain things you don't like, that's totally fine. The one that made us first think of this is blotting pizza. <laughs> so I think we've talked about it on here before, but if you guys don't know already, my brother has an amazing pizza restaurant called Polly G's Slice Shop in Brooklyn. And so if you're local to that, definitely go check them out. But blotting pizza is like kind of rude if you're at a good place. And plus it's like kind of gross having all of those oily napkins all over, but some people might also think it's gross. Actually, Marissa, I know you come from a family. My mom wanted her pizza until it was dry. So I grew up thinking that was the thing to do. But yeah, I could see how that one is quite annoying. Other things I think about is like when people are in big group settings, you're ordering a ton of food. It's usually like really fun. And then you get to like one friend who's like, you know, can I have no sauce on this? Absolutely no oil. Can you steam this? Can you take everything out of this and leave me with just lettuce? Like that's kind of a downer usually to the meal. You know, there's totally a time and a place. If yeah. Yeah. I think on the flip side of this, I do use this sometimes as a challenge for clients. If there's someone who really doesn't feel comfortable in their friend group, having a voice about what they Mm. want to order. So it's a challenge to go out to a restaurant and just say, Hey, there's one client in particular who does not do okay with dairy, but she's always afraid to like ask for it. She doesn't want to be that girl. And like that girl has a whole connotation, but then not being that girl when you should be that girl also is really, really problematic, right? Like this person does not do well with dairy, but she's getting salads with cheese on it just because she doesn't want to be that annoying person. And I always think like, you know, in that situation, like someone's been much more annoying than you at this restaurant, the waiter has dealt with someone who has asked for everything steamed and separated and like taking all the fun away. You can also always like, if you're in that group setting, order a few things that you do want, you know, mm-hmm. be in charge of getting in charge of the order. I always say to clients, like you do want to advocate for the things you want. You know, I don't want you eating like chicken tenders and fries because someone else wanted it. I want you to choose that if that's mm-hmm. what you want. Right. And if you're at a restaurant, people are ordering a bunch of food, look at the menu, see what are some of the things you want to eat and, you know, pull the waiter over and add a few things to the menu. No one's really going to care. I just think like in general, you want to be able to go out, enjoy your eating experience. And sometimes if you're so stressed about, can I get this on the side? Can I change this? It kind of becomes less fun. Now I will say I work with a ton of New York city clients that go out to dinner every single night. If you're going out to dinner every single night, maybe you do want a few modifications, but Mm -hmm. If it's once a week, who cares if the salmon has butter and brown sugar on it? Enjoy it. It's probably delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pay attention to that satisfaction too. So this next one is a little bit is similar, but bringing your own food to a restaurant. I've saw a lot of girls. I, I know this got really popular a couple of years ago now, but when people were bringing those Gigi's crackers to restaurants and like putting their eggs on them instead of having, you know, having toast or oh, potatoes. Um, I and, remember, sorry. Yeah. I remember seeing pictures of the Gigi crackers at Sidell's. And if you guys don't know what Sidell's is, it's like this amazing restaurant in New York city. They have great bagel towers with like lox and tuna and all these other things. And there were so many images of like a box of Gigi crackers next to the Sidell's thing. And that oh just like God. makes me cringe. Like yeah. you're losing out on the experience. They have yeah. every bagels if you need it. Like really. And please just like enjoy that you live in a city with good bagels because it's not like that in the rest of the world. out here. <laughs> yeah. And going off of that, like you also get to choose how much you're having. Like maybe you're not in the mood for a full bagel that day. You know, maybe you don't want two of them. You can have a half a bagel. You can have a fourth of bagel. You can have whatever you want. But I think really unsustainable to feel like you need to bring your own food to a restaurant. Now that also goes without saying, if you do have something medical going on, some severe allergies, totally ignore what we're saying and do what's ever going to make you safe. Yeah. And this is all just meant to be like, give you a little bit of mindfulness about 
are you seeing these behaviors happening around you? Not that like, this is always the worst thing ever to do. I mean, I definitely bring my own food to a movie <laughs> whenever I can. I, I always sneak things in. But I think when, if you're doing this on a regular basis or seeing that people around you really are, it's definitely something to question too. Okay. Next up, we have food commenters, people who are really, really obsessed with what you're eating. I mean, this goes back to our number one pet peeve too, which is when people assume that we're judging, but if people are commenting regularly on what you're eating, that usually is way more about their own stuff. Oh, I think back to this one like waitress that I used to have kind of regularly at this diner. And she used to comment if I finished my plate, like, wow, you were hungry today. And it always bothered me. Like, why do you care what I ate or what I didn't eat? You know? And I think it just goes without saying, like, you don't need to comment on what someone's eating. It's usually annoying. It's not necessary. Let them eat what they want. You focus on yourself and let's mm-hmm. call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really important one. And so again, just getting in the habit of like realizing, oh, are you someone who's done that accidentally? Like, I'm sure I know that I definitely have also. And I've also really noticed, especially actually, particularly when I'm out with nutrition friends in the past, I mean, these are not like current people I'm around with, but people get really like competitive about what they're eating in that situation also at times. So yeah. Um, so that's just another important one. Yeah. Okay. We have to get on to number, I guess, number 10. Like yeah. number 10. Okay. So at the group, grocery store, we often see things labeled with ridiculous labels, like keto labeled water or like paleo labeled, you know, water or like sunflower seeds. Like, of course they are. Or like (laughs) gluten-free bananas. Like, yes, they're naturally (laughs) gluten-free. Oh my God. A vegan watermelon. Yes. Oh my God. Some of these like healthy buzzwords, you know, healthy in air quotes because you can't see me. Other things like all natural on the front of Mm -hmm. a label that has no regulation. No one's checking that. What does that mean? I'm so glad you bring that up because I think that is a really confusing one, all natural and and like natural flavors on the back, which like we could talk about ingredient labels for a hundred years, but just starting to get mindful of like, wow, that is like idiotic. Also, is it necessary for your cookie to be keto? Like, you know, or like a protein cookie we've seen those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all for go make your own muffins, like add some hemp seeds to them, like make them a little bit higher in protein. But some of that like funny labeling, like, can't we just keep a cookie as a cookie and water as water and Mm -hmm. call it day? Yeah, absolutely. We should be able to, but let us know what craziness that you see too. We would love to hear about it. It like kind of makes us laugh and cringe too. So we could do a whole myth busting on stuff like that too. Ooh, I like that idea. Um, Well, hopefully you guys learned something from our 10 wellness pet peeves. I know it was supposed to be nine. But we still kept it in our time limit. So I think that's a win for the day. But before we go, Marissa we do- has us on a strict schedule, let me tell you. <laughs> I am watching the clock because I want you guys to enjoy this and it to be quick information. But before we go, we have one last thing. So what is our study we should know about this week? Carolyn, well, we I know you have, found a cool one. Yeah, we have a really good study. There is a study, if you are someone who does drink and enjoy alcohol, there was a study that found that even just one episode of heavy drinking, so that it might look like three drinks, more drinks for you, but just one episode can damage the cells in your stomach, aka your gut lining. And that can increase what we call gut permeability. That means you can get things like leaky gut and serious inflammation. And so I see this a lot also with clients that people who drink often are more likely to, you know, have IBS or IBD, things like that, or have, you know, either trouble going to the bathroom or are going more frequently. So just something to keep in mind and to pay attention to if you're someone who does love a couple of cocktails, glasses of wine to really get mindful of like, is it impacting your digestion or, you know, your anxiety levels too? So interesting. Cause we never think about, you know, the way even just one time a week can really impact us. 
And we talk so much about how it's not just what you're doing once. It's, you know, that consistency that really leads to health. But some of these things like alcohol can really impact us if we are having even in, you know, this is in a small quantity, but even if like, you know, not that frequent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as like alcohol is a toxin, even if it's our society's favorite toxin and we can sort of like joke about it. And like, I, I know Marissa and I both love having a glass of wine or a margarita, um, but just getting mindful of really how it's impacting your own body. And it might yeah. be doing things that you don't even realize. So definitely worth just some con- consideration around. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Happy Monday. Like, rate, share, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts. (laughs) Leave a comment. Tell us what you want to hear about next. Share your magic moments with us. And thank you for spending your Monday morning with us. Thank you for being here. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye.